It's time now for Pickin' and Puttin' with Clay Smith's quantitative anthology of stories behind the songs we know and love to hear and just how they evolve. Plus, a stroke of genius from Dr. Rick Zollinger, a golf nut who will present qualitative narratives from the pages of his own case studies in golf. It's Pickin' and Puttin'. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pickin' and Puttin'. I'm Clay Smith, and I am here with my partner in crime, co-host, Dr. Rick Zollinger. How you doing, Clayton? I'm here. Man, you're, good. you're looking good today, buddy. Oh, yeah. You, you are almost... look. I got my one iron for Ben Hogan. I got my paraphernalia <laughs> back here, all the hats. You know, the Ben Hogan hat. You're in Hogan drag, man. Bamboo. <laughs> yeah, baby. Well, well what I'm are we going to sure... talk about today? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, you know, I think of Hogan and I think of that crazy accident he went through a long time ago. But when it comes to music, I think about, you know, in light of everything that's going on in this country and one thing and another, a very poignant song that was written back in uh, early 2004. Songwriter team, uh, Tim Nichols and uh, Craig Weissman took a song to Tim McGraw. And uh, they were actually sitting around, as many songwriters do. They'll get locked up in a room, lay around, and they'll uh, chew on stories for a while. And then they'll lock into something. Hey, man, well, let's write a song about that. Well, that was the case. <laughs> that was the case here. They were talking about a friend, actually, who had been misdiagnosed with cancer. And if you can imagine that. I mean, yeah, in this that happens. Time, Getting that news, I mean, that's some crazy medicine there, man. Yeah, well, it's but, a practice of medicine. It ain't perfect. No, sir, that's for sure. That's for sure. But, uh, the, you know, as they said, you know, gosh, well, I mean, and what, how did he react to that? You know, some people get that news and, uh, the, you know, they just lay over in the bed and freak out. And then others have very cool responses like, Hey man, I'm gonna grab all the life I can grab while I've got it, and uh, out of this came that song, "Live Like You Were Dying." So, uh, I mean, this is about. They started talking about, okay, you get this bad news. Our guy got bad news, and even though it was a misdiagnosis, he started living life to the fullest. And so, out of this, the lyrics came. You know, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu, and I love deeper. And I, yeah, I mean, it goes on and on and on, and uh, unbelievable the the timeliness of it, and you know the deep emotion behind it is the fact that Tim McGraw's father, Tug McGraw, you know, the former yeah, baseball I, player. Yeah, he played for the Mets and about Tom Seaver time frame. That's exactly right. That's yeah, exactly right. So Tug was diagnosed with cancer the year before they wrote this song, and uh, he was given three weeks to live. Wow. Well, he lived nine months, and, and he died early 2004, and this song was recorded soon thereafter. And uh, I don't know. It's one of those things about, you know, can you, can you, you, you know, what would you do in this case? What would you do in this case? And uh, this, this song went through the roof. It debuted like 34 on the Billboard charts, but it went to number one for seven straight weeks. 
they won the Grammy. They won the CMA Song of the Year Award, Academy of Country Music Song of the Year Award. And uh, Tim McGraw, all, all three of them uh, went up to, to receive these honors. And uh, Tim, Tim looked at it like, you know, th- th- this song is not about death. It's about the introspective of life. Yeah. And uh, how one great, reacts. It's a great car singing song. Oh, my God. The emotions that it brings people to, it brings you to tears singing along with it. Oh, yeah. At the, at the traffic stop, you're in tears. I think it's one of the, it's a, one of the most prolific songs, particularly in country music, that uh, made people think about their own life. And, and how they're living it and the decisions they're making. Right. So that, you know, songs inspire us and adversity brings what, you know? I can sing J- James Corden singing it on that karaoke in the car. Oh, okay, yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'd oh. love to see him and Tim do that. They should oh, do that show. That would, would be, be a good incredible. Well, so that at- segues to the mystique of Ben Hogan. Well, I looked into Ben Hogan, and he was an amazing man. Um he was born in 1912, lived in 97, so he, he lived uh, to wow. 1997, so he was 85. Five years, wow. But he was a, he grew up, his father committed suicide when he was nine, and he was in the room, put a shotgun oh in his chest. No way. Yeah, oh. so that drove him to be a He worked hard, helped his mother pay the bills. Anyways, he came along, and he, by the late, 40s, he was probably top of the tour. He was in his late 30s. His competitors were Kerry uh, Middlecoff, Sneed, Byron Nelson, a wow. young Arnold Palmer. My and uh, in 48, 49, he said he played his greatest golf. And uh, he he um, wow. won two he majors that year. He was a machine. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, won, he won two majors that year. He was on top of the world. Well, five lessons <laughs> with Ben Hogan. Well, he, yeah. <laughs> Well, he played, they, drove, they drove everywhere back then, and he had driven 3,000 miles as of February. And they had driven you from – he and his wife, Valerie, had driven from Phoenix to El Paso on their way home to Fort Worth. Whoa. So they had another 500 miles to go. So they stayed at this uh, small hotel there. He got up in the morning and, and went and had breakfast because she didn't want to go. Came back. They tacked up their Cadillac, which was one of his gems that he had gotten because he was successful. And they hopped in the car to drive home to Fort Worth. And it was a nasty day, rainy, wet, foggy, icy. Wow. And he pulled out on the road, Highway 80 in West Texas, and he was going east. And uh, a a, a Greyhound bus pulled out around a tractor trailer. And he knew he had nowhere to go. So he dove across his wife to protect Valerie. And saved his own life. She had minimal injuries after that. Amazing if you see the wreckage. But he, the engine and the steering wheel were driven through his seat, into the back seat. He'd have been gone. You believe it? And um, so he went to the hospital. took 90 minutes for an ambulance to come. Remember, there's no cell phones in Fort God, yeah. And uh, he had had broken pelvis, broken ribs, broken clavicle, broken ankle, everything. But orthopedics fixed him up pretty well and said, well, you'll get back to him in about six months. Well, about a few days later, he had massive chest pain and blood clots to his lungs. Oh, no. His legs. Oh. Well, in this day and age, you, oh, boy. they'd manage you with blood thinners. But back then, what they did is they 
took your vena cava, your big vein, and they tied it off. Oh well, God. that stops the clots, but it also turns your legs into logs. So his ankles were <laughs> as big as his thighs. Oh, my gosh. Imagine. Oh, no way. And imagine wearing the golf clothes. Talking about wanting to roll over and say, heck with this. Well, imagine oh. getting into the leather golf shoes with metal spots. No chance. No oh chance. My God. So, and that was the red the this red light. Give me life. shin splints with good legs. <laughs> yeah, red light of his career. Red, red light for sure. But after that, so yeah. he got out of the hospital about two months. He was the honorary captain of the of the Ryder Cup in the fall, and he went over to England, and, and all he could do was putt. And everybody oh figured he'd never play golf again. Oh my. Well, fast forward to 1953. This guy was amazing. And, and we talk about Tiger and his comeback with Rocco yeah. and the broken leg and the stress fracture. Yes. But this oh. was greater. As a medical oh person, this was greater. No this is a life. So he went out in 53, and his wife, Valerie, would have to wrap his legs with ace wraps every morning so he could walk and get his clothes oh. on. Oh and she'd help him get his shoes and pants on. No chance. God. So he went out and he won – he won the first two majors of the year in 53. And so he got on masters and U S open back. to back. And then he got on a boat and went to Carnasty. No way. So he went to Scotland and he won the open at Carnoustie and became a, they love him over there. Uh, Carnasty is right, man. That's where it's four seasons of weather in four hours. (laughs) Yeah, You can hit a driver 380 with the wind and a driver 92 yards into the wind. All in the same round. In the shape he was in? Oh, crazy. Playing in those conditions? Well, I'm going across on a ship. Challenge of a lifetime. Oh, they didn't even fly. Well, they didn't fly. It took ships. It took took them that many days to get over there and get back. Oh, my gosh. Well, so he got back, and that was the Hogan Slam. He got back, and he didn't uh, uh, play in the PGA because you had to walk, you know, two or three. match boy. Yeah. It was match boy back then. Yeah, it was match boy. I can't. I think it was 56, 58, they converted to uh, stroke. Yeah, no chance if he had to play multiple matches in one day, he couldn't do well, it. And that was why, this is a two iron, but that's why the one iron, if you folks are watching on YouTube, you can oh. see how thin these faces are. That was at Marion. He hit that great shot. That's the a famous picture of him at Marion hitting it on 18. He had to hit it from 200 and whatever yards, made a par, Went to the playoff and then he kicked everybody's rear end on Monday in the playoff. He's the only That's guy. Unbelievable! Oh, so that was a that was a Hogan slam. He won three majors. And You're talking uh, about living like you were dying, living I mean, like you were dying, and he lived he was squeezing it all in. Yeah, and and in fact, when he won the British Open, think about this: he he was so revered for doing oh. what he did. He was a national hero. He came back and got a ticker tape parade through the no way. Through, through New York City, you know, down those tunnels. Unbelievable. Amazing, amazing. And the president gave him the medal of something or other. And, you know, all those stoic man with a drive inside that wouldn't quit. Yeah. Much to be said for it. Just like the song, man. Oh, absolutely. And he spent the Go skydiving, man. Go Rocky Mountain climbing. Go win three majors in a row. (laughs) Well, that's, that's where I give him, if you take, like you said, what we do in this day and age, in today's time, what this song means, we should get up and live like, you know, we're dying right now. Everybody needs to go forward. And it's a, it's a. Oh, man. Love deeper. Speak sweeter. Speak sweeter. Hey, poignant thought of the day. 
Want to hear it. From a pop culture man, James Give Dean. Give it to me. Dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Now that, that is a quote worth taking to the bank, folks. Sky diving, <laughs> I went. Rocky Mountain climbing. <laughs> you know you'll be singing this in a car all day after you listen to this podcast, right. folks, because I know I will. Hey, friends, tune in each week. New episodes, insights, and in music and golf. Yeah, make sure you push the subscribe button, hit the bells on all those channels. And if you need to get a hold of us on our website, go to Rick and Clay at pickitandputtin.com, and we'll be trying to get back to you and get you all the paraphernalia we're going to have out there for picking and putting. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you and hearing from you in the future. And we had a lot of fun today and hope you did too. So long, everybody. Bye, Clay. Bye, Dr. Z.